and I was like I can't not like I love this place and so from that moment on I think my mindset changed in Etta because I think at that point I felt suffocated by the business and from that point I chose to be here not that I I didn't feel like I had to be here I wanted to be here and then from that point in time I just feel like everything has changed this is the deep in the weeds podcast I'm Anthony Huckstep In the last few years, front of house teams became non-existent in many instances as venues reverted to takeaway. Professionals lost their jobs or were forced into roles they were not ordinarily doing, like packing takeaway containers or delivering food. But the art of great hospitality has not been lost. Is there now a greater appreciation for the art of great hospitality? Hannah Green is the owner of Etta in Melbourne. Hannah, how are you? I'm good. It's nice to be here. It's good to have you on the show. You're regarded as one of the very best in the country when it comes to the art of hospitality. Do you feel that there's a greater appreciation after the last couple of years? I think the sense of sitting in a um, a dining room and the whole experience is appreciated now more than ever. And I think that's why we're seeing our restaurants and cafes and everything bounce back as strongly as we have, particularly here in Melbourne. Given the sort of impact and the the changes that everyone had to make, is there a change in the way you approach that front of house hospitality after the last couple of years? Um, I think I definitely, like the way I manage things myself, I definitely don't stress the small things. Um, as much anymore but I don't think so like I would like to say yes but I feel like it's what we've been doing since day dot I think I'm more appreciative of the fact that people particularly here in Melbourne have been through a time like where we're a state kind of going through some kind of like trauma or grief or whatever. So when we do see people, we don't necessarily, they may not be the same versions that we saw prior to that and having these moments out are more meaningful than ever, I think. So I think it's patience on some levels but also empathy on other levels. How has it felt for you having sort of bustling restaurant dining dining spaces now and sort of that energy sort of reignited? I am so tired. Like, uh, <laughs> like, I'm, yeah, I mean, it. particularly the last 18 months, we, we didn't stop. So everybody's like, oh, my goodness, it must be so good to be open again. But we literally were so busy during lockdowns when now I think that, and I would say I'm maybe a, whether you believe me or not, I think I've become more of an introverted extrovert. So being on the floor and giving that time and giving that same level of myself to staff and customers and all of that has taken a big toll on me personally. So it's just learning to rebalance that and um, put my new boundaries into place, I think. Tell us a little bit about that. How have you managed this this new balance that you've been trying to to work out? I mean, I'm still trying. I don't know if I figured it out. 
figured it out yet. But I mean, even after this chat, we're having like I have a treatment with a myotherapist every week and then do clinical Pilates and that's my time. Nobody can touch me. And generally on a Tuesday, it's like my busiest day of the week. I'll walk out and there's probably 10 messages of phone calls or whatever that there is, but that's kind of my time and that's how I start the week. And it just puts me into a headspace of like, okay, cool. I'm on. <laughs> so that's just one small, small thing. Do you feel that's one of the, the positives to come from this experience, that sort of notion of work-life balance that perhaps wasn't being addressed in hospitality? A hundred, a hundred percent. And I mean, have I achieved that both within myself and within my team at the moment? Probably not, but we strive for it every day. And I mean, even this week, I, I haven't even announced it publicly yet, but we are closing on Sundays, which is the first time we have ever done that in the history of ETA. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, we've been really lucky that, like, our level of trade has not decreased since we reopened. Like, if anything, it's just getting busier. Um, and so it's when you're asking – and plus, I mean, we've still got COVID. We've got COVID ripping through the place at the moment. If it's not COVID, we've got the flu – going through the place at the moment um, and we're going into the winter months and masks are off and so it is going to be very much a um, I think it's still going to be a bumpy ride this winter and I mean we did only trade well we traded six days a week um, but by just taking that Sunday lunch off the teams know that they're going to have two days off Every week, it just changes things. And even in my own mindset, we've still got a day on the weekends to spend with family and things like that. And then we've got, you know, a Monday off to, to do our own things. But while we're in this state of having, you know, last, was it last Saturday night? Last Saturday night, I, have, I had five floor staff out of action. Like that's an entire team. So, I mean, I called in every single favour I had owing to me. What you've created there with Etta is quite extraordinary, and I want to go into that a bit later, but take us back to when you were young. What, what sort of role did food play in your family? Um, well, I grew up on a beef farm. Um, yeah, so I, without realising it, I probably hated it as a child because it used to... I mean, we had to work on our weekends and that kind of thing. But I, as an adult, I look back on it as, you know, how lucky I was to grow up that way. And, you know, even from – I still remember not eating mandarins from the supermarket when we went to the supermarket. Like it was – I think it was called Bilo. Um, but I would eat mandarins off our tree because that would be – they would taste like mandarins where the ones in the supermarket – would not taste like mandarins that I had known. And, like, same as kind of steak, I, you know, I was really spoiled of having, you know, this incredibly um, beautifully raised grass-fed black Angus. That was just what we ate. We wouldn't eat sausages. We'd have steak. So I think from, like, an early age that without even realising it affected me, it affected me and I used to think I was a fussy eater but it was more 
I own like I could tell the difference between things if that makes sense. Well, when when were the first inklings that you might sort of have a career in hospitality? So when I mean, oh my god, there's a few little moments. Um, when I was. 15 and nine months I we were we moved into town and our next door neighbors were chefs at the local pub and I got a job washing dishes there um and I just really enjoyed the kitchen environment um and I mean not that I really had a desire to be in the kitchen if that I really love cooking myself um but I just kind of fell into it and so from there I had like I took a year off and I went and moved to Perth and got a traineeship at a, a pub over there that had a salad bar, um, <laughs> the Kingsley Tavern, um, and then went to Broome for a season and then decided to move to Melbourne and worked somewhere that is, you know, not great originally and then basically just hounded Jade Nong when I was 19 and 312 had just won Best New Restaurant and... The rest is kind of history. Everything really, everything came from that place. My love of of what I do now was came probably, or the passion that I have now and the drive, I would say, came from that building. Well, Three One Two was so influential, and uh, a lot of people came out of that venue and have done amazing things. Do, do you have any stories from from that time and the sort of impact it had on you? Um, well, it's so funny because um, Ben Sears is actually, he's just moved to Melbourne and he's just helping us out here at the moment. So we are regaling stories at the moment um, of our time and I don't know if I could say some of them online or where people can hear them. But, I mean, I think a really fundamental moment that has stuck with me and I don't know if I've even told Andrew that, ever told Andrew this, but um, there was, honestly, I don't even know how I kept a job there. Like I was 19. I think one of the questions I was asked by Jaden, what are the two great varieties of Burgundy? And I was like, Sauvignon Blanc? I had no idea. I had no idea. And they, I thought I was like going to be a food runner, but I ended up being in a section that was so incredibly patient with me. Um, and I may have, or may not have sent the restaurant down a few times. Um, but there was this moment and it was when we only did tasting, when tasting menus were still a pretty new thing and we would only do them on Friday and Saturday nights. And there was this table who were up to dessert and me as a young waiter going through the motions of like what I've got to do next, I was ready for dessert. And he was like, I've stopped dessert. Can you see they've still got some shadow after pup? And he sent them out a little bit of Comte. They didn't order it, but um, he sent them out a piece of cheese to go with the, while they finished their wine. And it was it's still that moment where you stop and think about, and I, I talk to staff about it now still to this day where it's like, okay, we've got, this is our sequence of service. These are the things that we've got to do, but, like, where are they up to? Like, what is that table doing? What, you know, not that you're saying what are they talking about, but, like, where are they at within themselves? What can we do to make it better for them? 
You also uh, worked with Andrew McConnell with Cumulus as well. Um, t- tell us about that period of time and um, it sort of spawned a, a whole range of amazing venues that you worked at as well. Um, take us back to that time. I mean, Cumulus was a game changer for Melbourne. Like it was really, <laughs> I mean, it was doing breakfast, lunch and dinner. Like, and I don't think they were even ready for what what was to come from from that place and it definitely if you were to talk about doing that again now I physically don't think I probably could do it but we were all this like super like Josh Murphy was the head chef um Anna Sutherland was the sous chef Mon Dipbong Jong was behind the bar with me obviously Jaden was the owner um who else was there at that time that was really um, Andy Joy was there. Like it was, and we'd all kind of come across from 312. And so we were this like young, incredibly passionate team just doing everything to get this place open. And then like thinking, I think Jaden originally wanted to do it with three people on the floor. Like, so one person behind the bar, two people on the floor. And it was just, like, wild. Because it was meant to be this casual dining experience, you know, really high turnover, like, super chill, delicious food, great wine, not fully service-driven. So, um, yeah, and that kind of got dictated by the general public of what to do. So, yeah, it was it was a wild, wild, wild time. But amazing. Definitely taught me a lot. Probably wouldn't want to do it again, but um, definitely taught me a lot. Well, your CV is one of the most extraordinary in the in the country. But what what have been the real interval moments and influences for you uh, through your career? I mean, I think it depends on what aspect you look at it. Like what what am I, what did I take away? So like that moment I spoke about with Andrew is still, you know, something as a young waiter and looking through, learning to look through somebody else's eyes and what do they want? Like Chris Young at Jacques Ramond. I went to work at Jacques Ramond to work with Chris. Like I still am in touch with him today. He's been a huge um, guiding light for me in my career. And just, I don't know if, you ever went to JR's but it's this old mansion in Windsor and you'd walk through the door and it was this big grand staircase and it was really intimidating and he was like Greeny it's scary walking in here like we've got to make them feel comfortable straight away that's our job and that sense of give me a well effort was built on give me a warm welcome and make it feel like my home and that has stayed with me till today um so I think it's a collection of things, like Vanessa Crichton from a leadership role at my time at the Rockpool Group. Like, you know, she's probably the most incredible manager I've ever I've ever worked with. And the biggest thing she taught me was if I'm not getting what I need out of my team, then I'm not doing my job properly. So, it, like, you know, there's so many different ways of so many different areas of like what did I take away from that period of time what did I what has helped me along my journey from so many different people and people I still call on now like I still 
I had a question I had to ask Van and I wanted her opinion. I was like, what do you think of this? So, yeah. You spent some time at Attica as well, Ben Shuri's restaurant. Well, what was it like working in a in a restaurant that had so much international uh, focus, um, but in a, in a quiet suburb in in Melbourne? Look, it was. I was there for um, a pretty amazing period of time when it was kind of on its way. I think it had just been announced eighty ninth best restaurant in the world when nobody knew what the fifty best restaurant list was really in this country and then it came it came in the next year at like 21 like and it was just it was mental and it was amazing like I got to travel the world with it it was it was really incredible and like I mean Ben kind of did things his way he's always done things his way and that's kind of how I feel like I've gone on my journey it's not been about what's popular or what to do it's just doing them how I see them and sometimes that hasn't always been right um and that's you know a decision I've had to live with but then ultimately it's got me to where I am today and making those wrong decisions has led me to now which is probably where I'm most I've been the most happy particularly with Etta yeah do, do you have any dining experiences where you were on the other side where as, as a guest that sort of influenced the way that you approach hospitality? Um, yes. Yes and no. Because um, it's definitely not how we do things here. But I was 22 and it was my first massive overseas trip. I was working at, oh no, I was working at Cumulus and I'd worked at, 312 when Andony came over from Muguritz with um, when Dan had just started at the Royal Mail and I went to Muguritz. Andrew made me a booking and I walked in the door and Linda, I don't actually know where Linda is now, um, but she was working for someone I know in the States um, last I heard at Contra. Um, and she opened the door and spoke in Spanish. And here I was, this 22-year-old, in my best possible dress for lunch. And she spoke Spanish. And I was like, I have no idea what you're saying. Like, you know, this girl off the farm kind of thing. And then she spoke in English to me straight away and just made me feel that sense of comfort, um, which, again, would probably be the most important thing moving forward in my career of making people feel like that as they walk through the door. But then watching them move through the dining room, like, yes, the food was amazing, but coming from a service point, like they hire, well, they had choreographers. You had like, like five people clearing a table of two, clearing and setting a table of two in perfect unison. So you would, someone would clear, then someone would come through and crumb, then someone will come and set the cutlery, then someone will put the glass down. Like it was, it was art to watch. Um, And that for me was amazing. It was still to this day was incredible. Tell us about when you started to think about Etta and, and finding the venue and getting the momentum to, to open the venue? Well, I grew up in a family business and I think I always wanted to have my own business because of the way I was raised. My dad was in business with his um, two brothers. And so I was at Attica 
And I knew that I wanted to do it. In hindsight now, I think about it and I'm like, oh, my God. Even when I did open ETA, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Like, you know, you think you know, but you have no idea. Um, and I, it was early days and Relay had just opened and Christian Puglazi came out with Christian Bowman and we entertained them for a week. Um and he just finished, obviously, at Noma, and he was talking about his t- – and that was when, you know, Noma was at the height. Well, I mean, it's still at the height, but I don't know. Is that 15 years ago? I can't even – I don't even know. Yeah, probably 15 years ago. I don't feel like I'm old enough to say that. Um, and he was talking about how he wanted to separate himself from Noma and coming from what he – had known to opening Relay and having no money and, you know, they had to do it lean and having drawers because they had all their cutlery and everything like that for the whole meal in this drawer so they could only have two people on the floor. And it was 45 people and they flipped it twice. And it was just, it was those conversations. And, like, Christian Bowman, like, you go on, and Christian Bowman was his sous chef at that time. And you go and look at what those two guys have done now and it's, you know, amazing. And it was that time that I'm like, it really kind of ignited that fire in my belly to be like, I want to do this myself, but in a different way, because I'm not, I'm not a chef. I mean, I would like to think I know a bit about food, but I'm never going to be that. So it had to be in an environment where, you know, I could try to control what I can control the most. And that is like the service side of things. Yeah. How hard was it to sort of land on a venue and, and, and were there challenges at the beginning with Etta? Like, yes. Um, like, what way do you look? I feel like I've made every possible mistake you can make. Um, I mean, it was around the corner from where I lived in Barclay Street in Brunswick East and it was for sale as a fish and chip shop. And I mean, it was going downhill yeah, at 82-seat fish and chip shop with a 1am licence. And, I mean, in hindsight, listening to my dad and my uncle, I should have let him, you know, close and probably get it for cheaper than it was. But, I mean, in saying that, that's – I mean, I wasn't prepared to be wheeling and dealing and doing those kinds of business deals <laughs> at that point in time. Um, but, yeah, I mean – if I knew what I knew now about the space, I probably wouldn't have taken it, if that makes sense. Like, we had just the actual physicalities of it um, have been somewhat challenging and we were kind of too deep into the build before we really realised. And I think that's also experience of looking at what you've got and knowing what you can do with it without having to get too many people involved. Um, but at that point in time, we were just so far in that, you know, had to keep going, <laughs> had to put some more money in, <laughs> kept putting it in. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, tell us a bit about the vision when you first started and because you've had a couple of different chefs as well and, and, and different offerings. So Yeah, I've had, I actually opened this with a business partner and, you know, whether or not, you know, it, it um, was right in the end, you know, doing that with him got me to where I am today. So I am, you know, pretty grateful for that. 
but it just it wasn't it wasn't the right fit it just everything was a challenge and so getting to that point of actually saying that out loud and being like this isn't working and and I mean the business wasn't working at that point in time so it was it really could have folded up at that point but I was talking to dad, my dad about it and my constant source of guidance, my biggest, um, my biggest supporter. He's like, do you reckon you can do it? And I'm like, yeah, I reckon I can do it. And he's like, all right, well, let's do it. Um, yeah, he's amazing. Um, so that time that it was under Hayden, like it just, it feels like a lifetime ago. It just, it, it's not the same restaurant as what it was and we were very much appealing to the neighbourhood and didn't want to be these, you know, crazy people of coming in and charging, you know, $150 a head and, you know, trying to slot into the neighbourhood because we wanted it to be somewhere for the neighbourhood to to use as they saw fit. And, I mean, I think that is still the case today. But, I mean, there are also realities of staff costs and you know having to open the doors and paying for electricity there are things like that that you have to factor in and I think that's the thing of like thinking you know what you're doing but having these grand notions of what you want I think there was like 50 wines on the wine list at that point in time nothing over a hundred dollars one bottle over a hundred dollars um to you know moving through to where we are today where it just it has evolved so much that I can't I don't even think about apart from the people who have been coming here since day dot and gone through that with me I don't really think about that time anymore because it's just so long ago and we're just on this path of pushing to be better every day but it seems not like a waste of energy, but it, you know, you, you just don't want to look back, if that makes sense. We're looking forward. What's been important to you in regards to the food offering there to be able to deliver the sort of hospitality that you believe in? Look, I mean, Rasheen, <laughs> if somebody told me five years ago that we would be serving um, the food that we are today, I would have laughed. Um but the food is the best it's ever been as well. Um, and it's been really beautiful to watch Rasheen, like, come into her own and feel confident in cooking the way she's cooking at the moment. And when she first came on board, there was very much kind of, like, parameters that she had to work within. And we, we still very much have, you know, a menu format. But it's been when she's like, oh, what do I cook? And I'm like, well what are you comfortable cooking? That was probably the first thing I said. And so we, we had like, I think on the first menu, it was flounder with, uh, what was it? A cider beurre blanc? Yeah, a cider butter and samphire, um, which now you think about that and it's so classic because she is so classically trained. Um, now that she's found her feet and found her, like what she wants to cook, like it's so far from that now and I just kind of let her go and do her thing. Can you give us an idea of sort of what, what is on the menu now that is sort of so different to say to four years ago? Um, well, we still can't word it properly because it's my favourite thing on the menu. 
and I don't know how you word it, but essentially it's a puff rice salad. So she makes, um, she steams rice and um, puts a red curry through it, a Thai red curry through it, and then fries that rice. Then she makes a, like, um, Vietnamese red um, red curry sausage, cooks it over the fire, and then there's mussels marinated um, and then all these, like, delicious herbs so it's this salad of things that's a bit spicy there's mussels and pork in it and I'm like you know if you had told me that five years ago I probably would have laughed has this um, dramatic change and evolution of of Etta um, has it affected your front of house offering and the wine list and and those sort of operations definitely definitely I mean We've never really had huge, like, big-bodied reds on here anyway. Um, But, I mean, yes, I think so. And it has to. Like, we do have – and, I mean, people say we're a natural wine bar. I honestly do not think we're a natural wine (laughs) bar. Like, probably, like, the furthest thing from, to be honest. But um, having those kind of – skin contacted um, or textural wines that have a bit of phenolic structure to them, I have found stands up to those little pops of chilli throughout the menu. But, I mean, the thing that makes it so incredibly easy to work with her at the same time and the team as well, it's not just it's not just Rasheen, like it's everybody, um, is the food is so balanced so it makes it a bit more easy wine-wise. Do you have any stories of the impact that this direction has had on on your customers, particularly those that have watched the evolution? Um, I think they're the happiest they've ever been. They're definitely, um, like, we just had our fifth birthday and we had a big party. Um, And it was really, like, people were invited. um, And it was really, I would say, probably... 70% 70% of the people were customers from who have been coming here um, since day dot. And, you know, and particularly COVID as well has given them this sense of, um, I don't want to say ownership, but they're like, or this is their, this is their place. So this is, they are so fiercely, supportive, loyal, all of these things. Um, And so to be there on the fifth birthday and sitting down with them, it was actually quite overwhelming for for me. But they're like, we're just so happy that you're so happy and we're so proud of you just navigating your way through this and, like, look at where you are. And, And that is probably the thing that makes me the happiest now is to just have all these incredible people around me and that's like from the direction we're going like Rasheen she has become a, an incredible friend um and like confidant and ally and source of creativity and pushes me to be better as well and then the team that we have that just get on board with everything that we do and are like yep let's do it whether it be packing 450 boxes and delivering them in the rain or like going into a Saturday night service with five front of house staff down. 
And then the customers who are just like these people who have been around, like who are just like, yep, whatever. You can do whatever. Just tell me and I'll be there. Like it's that, yeah, it's pretty amazing. You mentioned uh, that your your dad is a, a wonderful inspiration for, for what you do. And uh, what does he think about what you've created? Um, look, I think he's questioned my choices in life a couple of times. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, and he's questioned probably the way I have run this place a couple of times. But, I mean, in saying that, I've always had his, like, it's, he's never been, um, he's always been like, okay, what do you, like, his question to me is, can you do it? And do you want to do it? Because partic- there was a moment in August 2020, September 2020, where we we just closed down um, in that part of the lockdown where it was the first time I've ever questioned whether I want to do it or not anymore. And he's like, he's like, do you want to do it? And I'm, I really didn't know at that point. And he's like, well, don't, if you don't, don't, like, it's only money. It's only a place. And then there'll be something after it. And I was like, well, I can't get a job. Like, you know, we were still at that point of like, how do I, I don't even, can't get a job anyway because everyone's closed and all of those kinds of things. I don't even know if I want to do this anymore, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then people just started showing up. Like customers started showing up on my doorstep at home, like dropping me over like cake and limes from their tree and wanting to like have a walk or seeing them at the dog park and how are you going or just calling because so many of them have my number. Um, And I was like, this, I can't not, like I love this place. And so from that moment on, I think my mindset changed in Etta and I didn't really think about it in, because I think at that point I felt suffocated by the business. Um, and from that point, I chose to be here. Not that I, I didn't feel like I had to be here. I wanted to be here. And then from that point in time, I just feel like everything has changed. And, yeah, for the better. It's just everything here is beautiful. The team are beautiful. The food is beautiful. The restaurant's becoming more beautiful. The people are beautiful. Like, it's just, yeah, it's nice. You've uh, you've got Etta in, into a great place with the team and also with the community and, and going in a real direction, which is giving you amazing positive energy. What do you love about what you're doing? The people. The people. Um, like, I think that more than anything is the thing, like, hospitality is the name of the game and I think sometimes we can get lost in it. Um, you strip it right back to what it is. It's... You know, you've either got it in you or not. I think that's the thing. It's a part of you or it's not a part of you. Um, And, I mean, it's like eating beautiful food and drinking amazing wine in nice rooms. Like, it's a very, um, particularly with everything going on in the world at the moment, like it is a, a complete luxury in life, but it is those moments where like you don't know what has happened in someone's day and like when they walk through the door or they'll just show up and they're just you can't like at the moment we're so busy that you know 
got to pull a rabbit out of a hat for a seed or something like that because this is their place. Like this is their place when they're having a hard time to come. When even just Mother's Day gone, like I had to chat to the well, not, I didn't have to. We had the chat at briefing before service and, and I'm like, Mother's Day is really hard for some people. Like we don't know everybody's situation. We don't know what their family lives are like. They might have to be here. There's generally a lot of tension. Like we're the place that people are coming to because they feel safe here. And that is probably, yeah, the thing that makes me the happiest. And even like from a staff point of view, like there is, I think last week, one of the chefs, he did a massive week and I'm like, I'm so sorry that won't happen again. I looked at your hours at the end of the week and I'm like, that is not where we want them to be. And he's like, no, it's actually really nice because, you know, things are hard for me at home at the moment and it's nice being here. Like, they're those moments that I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with what we have here. Well, Hannah, it's extraordinary what you've built there and it's an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear just a bit of your story. Um, please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thanks for having me. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.